Well, Eric, yes. welcome back to the school. Thank you. It's been a while, a little been, while. Yeah, many years. Yeah. 13 years, 14 oh. years. Okay. Coffee bar still looks the Coffee same. Coffee bar is exactly the same. You're not allowed <laughs> to smoke anymore. I was a little bit disappointed by that. Okay. No, it's, uh, yeah, school, you know, yeah, I've been upstairs carrying flats up and down to stage D or whatever it's called. Yeah. Mm. It's the same. Still the same. Exactly the same. Yeah. Hope you're enjoying it. <laughs> Yes. So, very, you know, fantastic to see see a feature film that you've shot, and I'm sure there'll be lots of questions about that. But just before we talk about this film, can what brought you to the film school? You you, ninety seven graduated. Yeah, ninety seven yeah. graduated. It's a friend of mine who in Norway uh, wanted to go either to music school or film school, and we decided film school sounds nice, and then we applied and we went here. <laughs> That was literally the, that was the no. beginning of it, and then okay. I went here, and it was, um, yeah, I didn't know. I just think I just thought film was going to be interesting, because okay. I, I applied quite. I was twenty, or right. yeah, when I went, and everyone said it was too young. You need yeah. to be a little bit older, and I think now I understand why. It'd be nice to have a little bit more experience before, yeah. but uh, then when I was here, I, li I liked the camera side of things a lot, okay. and I was sort of yeah. So that's something that you picked up while you were at film school. That yeah. That's the direction you wanted to go. Yeah. After yeah. the first term, then sort of, yeah, that's what okay. I really liked. Okay. And then you went out into the industry. Yes. Um, how did that go? Well, I went, um, there was a, I don't know when you had, there was a, t a talk with another guy called Ole Berkeland who shot The Arbor. Yeah, some of you might Some of you might remember. We were here at the same time. And he went into camera assisting. Um, and you know, clapper loading and focus pulling. I didn't do that because I was really bad at that. So I went out just shooting whatever I could do, anything. And now we're sort of more or less doing the same jobs and working as DPs, at least getting paid for it. Uh, that sort of, yeah. Right. So we sort of right. now we're at the same point, but we've right. gone slightly separate routes. Yeah. So we were apart for, for about seven years doing completely different jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just shot absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. Part of the early kind of yeah late nineties was doing netcasts of big banks doing their kind of keynote speeches where you have to follow a bank president talking for two hours <laughs> with a camera you have to go like that and follow him as he it was great you know I mean it was you earn money and you learn how people move it was it was I mean really it was I think I've learned from it but it was you know yeah yeah, yeah. and then all kinds of other things right. Just absolutely anything. And that okay. was, I think that was a nice thing to do. I don't know. Now it sort of feels all right to have done absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, but you worked your way back towards shooting drama. Yeah. And that, that's, that's how, how, how did that work out for you? Uh, I don't know. There's, there's always been a little bit of drama throughout. Uh, there's one friend from film school, actually, that I, that I worked with throughout. He made a lot of low-budget horror films. So I did that for, I think, three or four years. Mm -hmm. And then through that, I got work on slightly bigger budget horror films. <laughs> and then, yeah, so there's always been something, but it's mm -hmm. all been slightly genre type mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. films. Yeah, and then into TV, which is slightly a separate, I mean, it's not, yeah, I mean, it's drama. We don't really have the same kind of input as you do in, in features, but um, yeah, so it's always trying to be do that alongside with music videos and all kinds of other mm. Yeah, other things, really. So it's always been there as part of what I've been doing, I think. And how did how did this project find its way to you, or you find its way to this project? I, I was um, on a terrible... Uh, it was a lovely job uh, called London's Burning, which was a series that was running for years. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was... Yeah, it, anyway, there was a script supervisor there called Dermot, and this was my first job as a operator, B-camera operator, you know, properly by in a, in a, you know, ITV or wherever it was. And I was fired uh, after week one. But the, the script supervisor, he really liked what we were doing. And, you know, we stayed friends. And he since became a producer and brought me back into work with this company called Warp Films. Mm -hmm. And I worked as an operator together with a bunch of others uh, when they did an Arctic Monkeys concert film some years ago. And I met Richard on that uh, director. And then we okay. kind of started working together after that. Okay. So it was a, you know this fluke thing many many years ago, where 
you know, this contact that, you know, got me into nice films. <laughs> you know, really, that was, yeah. yeah, that's how it came about, really. Okay. So when you met up with Richard, what, what were your first projects together? Uh, we did some music videos uh, for a band called Vampire Weekend and Last Shadow Puppets and some other ones. And, yeah, I think what I remember most about the first meetings with him was he was not interested in doing it. I don't know, he just, he has his way of doing things and he's completely uninterested in how other people do their things. I mean, right. he's really not, I mean, he doesn't, there's no flashy cuts. There were, I mean, both of those were one take kind of, all in one take kind of things because that was more interesting. And nothing needs to be completely perfect. We purposefully sh chose equipment that would be slightly hard to work with so that it would not seem, you know, perfect and nice. Mm -hmm. He has a, yeah, a really, a, a love for new wave French cinema, which I think shows quite clearly mm -hmm. in, in, in this one. And um, yeah, that was sort of slightly what, that was the, yeah, okay. what I remember from working with him. So there, you'd, you'd worked before and then he had this script. Yeah. And when this script arrived. Yeah, because it, it was a, well, it was a book and he told me that he's reading this book to maybe adapt it. And I read the book straight away. And then a year or so after he came to me, I didn't, I thought maybe he was going to get someone else to do it. Mm. You know, there was lots of other wonderful DPs who work at Warp. Uh, the last the, one of them is Danny Cohen, who now mm. shot the King's Speech mm. and all those. You know, it's wonderful. He did a lot of work for him, so I figured he'd just get him to do it. But then he asked me to do it, and and I don't know. That was sort of it, and it, it was sort of the beginning of a long fight with uh, Film Four and Warp were always good, but it was we needed to do a test right. shoot, mm -hmm. and we tried very hard to be able to shoot first on thirty five. That was a big fight. And then we went to shoot anamorphic. That was another fight because I meant four perf instead of three perf, which was more money. And then they made us go on this. We spent like 20 grand. They gave us 20 grand to go and shoot this two-day test in, in Wales, which is what it would have cost to shoot what we wanted to do. Um, but, and it was, um, I mean, in the end, it was fine. I mean, I, I think it worked out better for the film probably in the end. But what we, we, we had this bo a test for Richard and I, are we going to be, you know, we're going to be able to deliver what this script and, you know, what everyone, what everyone sees. And we had this discussion before. And I mean, what is this test for? What do they want mm. us to do? What are we supposed to show them? So do we now go and make a test for them, what we think that they would like to see? Or, but I mean, what do they want? I mean, they want a couple of scenes and some, I mean, what is that? Mm. And then, you know, we, we, we realized that obviously what we have to do is we're going to do it the way we want to do it. And that's it. We just keep, you know, we treat it as a slightly like a camera test. We try some different film stocks and some lenses or something, but we shoot it exactly like we want to do it. And in the end, they, they really liked it. But that was sort of the main, yeah. the main lesson from that was just do whatever you want, you know, what you want to do. And then if they don't like that, then they can get someone else to do it because then they're not going to like what you're going to do on the film anyway. Yeah. That was sort of, yeah, that was the, the fight, the right. fight for the film. Interesting. I don't think I've heard of the such a substantial test going on. In, Apparently, they do them all the time. Right? I've never heard about it before as well. I thought it was, you know, singled out as the, right. the guy who needed to. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because it must oh. have been a big trip to Wales to. Yeah, they spent yeah they spent lots of money on it. That's all right. Yes. They got the film in the end, and actually the the under the bridge scene when they kiss, we did that. We shot that scene mm -hmm. with the same two actors, shot by shot. And then we had to redo it afterwards. But it was overcast the first time, and then the second time it was sunny by chance. Right. It was, it was, but it was exactly the same thing. And it, mm. yeah, we chose a few things out of that. The actors were wonderful right. in the screen tests as well. So that was all right. Yeah. Can I just ask about um, scripts? Um, what, what, as a DP, what as a DP do you look for in scripts when you get a, a script arriving? Um, do you? You read it, and if it's exciting, you go, okay, fine, this, no. I'd like to do this. <laughs> and if you are not excited by it, or you can, or if you have to try to imagine that maybe with this director, they could be interesting, then it's just, I mean, in my experience, it's never come true. Mm -hmm. If you're excited, if I'm excited by it, 
then I'm going to like to work on it. Mm. Then I'm actually going to be able to give something. Because after two weeks of shooting and you knack it and you try to be excited about it, you're not going to be excited if you don't like the script at all. So that's sort of the only thing. If I, if I, yeah, mm. you have to be really excited about it. That's, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's it. If yeah. not, just, I mean, you know, there's obviously, mm. you know, kind of financial you know, mm. Cons mm. you know, things mm. to consider yes. when you have a family or you have a mortgage or you have all these kind of things. Right. But you yes. try to yeah, yeah. stay yeah. as true as you can. So when you're reading the script and you're, you're, you're beginning to visualise it, what, what, what's that sort of process for you? Uh, lots of notes, just scribbles in the script and maybe some reference films or some shots or some ideas or some pictures or some other things and you like mentioned there's a long list of film a long long <coughs> list of yeah films. i mean uh, richard he's he's a very um yeah he is he's very knowledgeable about film so he gave me like a long about 120 films of of reference that these that these might be interesting to watch there are some good things in this and this and this and this and this, yeah. But there were only there were a few films where we really liked the either the pacing or the lighting or so we sort of derived a few rules out of a few key films. Uh, Do you that, recall what what those? Were? Yeah, there was one which is called Love in the Afternoon, um, and another one which called Love on the Run, which is a true four film, and uh, just about pacing and the way people speak. I mean, many times they would, we would, you know, shoot a scene and people, they would, the actor was acting stuff and they'd say, literally say, okay, now do it twice as fast. That, that was sort of the direction. I mean, because all of the actors, they, they knew it. I mean, they're really good and they know what they were doing and they've spoken about all the things before. So there wasn't really any, you know, picky discussions about these kind of, you know, characters or anything like that on set. Because it was, you know, wasn't much time about it. So it was, yeah pace and these kind of mm. things were more what we're talking about in individual shots really that was sort of the yeah what we were on about and then lighting was the thing about natural light which we which we both liked um a lot because i think unless you have a not unless, i mean you can do wonderful things with not many lights at all but a few well positioned light or no lights which is what we chose mostly to do for this was better and never to shoot in direct sunlight outside <coughs> That was we, because it's just quite dull and bland, mm. um, and it wasn't right for this kind of mm. thing. And that was sort of it. I mean, get practicals inside, and mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it just was right for this film. Mm -hmm. Having you know, mm. having watched it again a couple of months ago, I now you see, maybe it would have been nice to be this or this or this. But at the time, that was exactly the right way to yeah. do it. It felt like, so at least every day you knew you weren't going to question yourself. What you were trying to do in Wales in the yeah sort of fall winter of two years ago I think yeah everything in Wales it was all on location wasn't it everything on location there was one day there's um, Graham's part of his karate moves and some inserts and the parents and Jordana when they stood in the black space and we track into them what's inside them that was in a studio mm. space but that was yeah that was it Everything else was, was location. I don't think anything was built. No, there was the house, was the real house on top of the hill. We took over, the guy still lived there in one room. And we were there for, yeah, three weeks, two and a half weeks or something. He was deaf, so he couldn't hear it. It was, it was fine. Because <laughs> poor man, we came really early and left really late. And he's quite old, but, uh, but he, yeah, he liked it a lot. And he had a lovely dog that we didn't step on. But yeah, we painted yeah. walls and did all those kind of things and moved things and but yeah, it was yeah, that helped a lot. And we cleaned out a big storage room, rebuilt, he kept it all afterwards. He was very pleased. Yeah. Now was it your choice to shoot on thirty five or who's who who did you It was we, we spoke I mean because we sp uh, Richard always wants to shoot on film, which is which I think is wonderful. Uh, I, I like it a lot, and, and the way that we work is kind of makes sense. And we were, for a while we were talking about 16, so we could have a longer schedule. We could shoot for longer, but in the end it doesn't really work out that much. And then because 
we're going to shoot everything natural light and we're going to shoot for longer i mean it looks better for longer on 35 in the evening and these you know in the so it worked out like that but it did mean having to give up we want to shoot i think there was a six week schedule we want to shoot for seven weeks but it meant we have to give up you know it, we have to make a reduced unit for the last couple of weeks of shooting in the end it wasn't a reduced unit or it was one person from our department who left but it, it was sort of so seven weeks in the end which was which was really really nice to to be able to have yeah yeah so no but 35 we did tests and things and it seemed like it made sense for this film i think yeah now you were saying you you might have been using a, an ARRI 2c and i just mentioned that because yeah. um we still use one here yes <laughs> I was I was planning to come back here and steal it because it was hard to get a hold of one. Uh, for yeah, quite a lot of things we had, we managed to convince the camera rental they they found one that they had, you know, you know, deep in their stores, and they wouldn't rent it to us because they couldn't guarantee that it would work, and so we just got it for free. And we had that uh, in the weekends we take it home. Rich and I would go out Sundays for a few hours in the in the afternoon into the evening just to do some scenic shots of various places, and. Every time when they're setting up, I mean, there might be a little change around of something. We'd go outside. There's a beautiful shot. Let's just have a separate tripod for that. Just go outside and shoot a shot. Mm -hmm. And quite a few things we did on that because I had, I mean, the main thing was I had these lovely old lenses for it. Mm -hmm. They won't fit on the regular PL mount, so we had to use mm -hmm. this this camera. And it, it was alright. I mean, there was a lot of jumps and birds' nests that are quite few are in the film as well because it seemed to suit it. Yeah, it was very good. It's a lovely camera. Love it while you can. It's going to be gone. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. But you did choose to shoot on film. Yeah. 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 I think. I mean, it just seemed. Mm. I think that was already a battle fought before. Right. I mean, yeah. I was in the in the last part of it. I think everyone kind of went for it. Yeah. So on. When you arrive in the morning, let's just go through, because it's, it's always quite interesting to hear how people do their day shooting, mm. you know, whether you rehearse with the director or what, what how, did you, how did you both prefer to, to, to make that work? I think normally if, if you know where you're going to shoot, then your crew can sort of get everything ready while you rehearse with the actors and the director. And then once you rehearse a scene and you have a little look through with, with your crew, do a little, you know, crew rehearsal for everyone to see how, every, you know, people, where people move and what you're going to see. And everyone sort of has a strong, a strong idea of, yeah, what's going to happen. And you know what you're going to do for the, you know, the next few hours or one hour or five hours or well, the next day or whatever. That's sort of, that's, I very much prefer that way. Right. So you have, you can plan ahead and you know that you can get ready to light for the next thing. And you know that when you turn around and you look that way, you can already be doing that and, that's sort of the main, that seems to work really well in most things. That everyone gets, you have an idea, you can start putting some lights outside if you have, or if you don't, then you can get some things ready. But yeah, you do a rehearsal first of all, and everyone's sort of happy with the basic shape of it, and mm. then you can start. So obviously not everybody here is a DP, but tell us a little bit what you're particularly looking for in that beginning to shape of the, the scene. What, what's important for you? Yeah, it depends slightly what you're shooting. If you're shooting a film where you maybe have stronger ideas and stronger opportunities to yeah, voice your ideas and what you're shooting, then the blocking might already, if not already set, you have an idea of how you're going to shoot something or this type of feel you want for something. If you work in TV, things are slightly more, you just need to make sure you have it done by 11.30 and that's it, basically. And you know that most of that is going to consist of some close-ups of all the actors saying a line quite boringly. But then, I mean, it helps in both plans of attack, really. One is where you just have to be proficient and you just have to get everything done. And you know that if the actors move from here to here to here to here to here to here, in TV world, that's death. Because you mean you have 14 different eye lines. And in TV, they must be correct at all times. And in films, they don't have to be because people have slightly different... Yeah. <laughs> people are not as... Yeah, people are a little bit more liberal with the way they see things, which is... Yeah, then it's just more, t 
I don't know, in films, so TVs is a slightly separate thing, but in films, you kind of, you want to make sure that you keep the ideas that you had when you read the script and had the discussions. And you want to make sure that what is happening in the scene is going to either help that or at least advance what you have planned before. If you plan to do something very grandiose because you thought that this would be a very lovely grandiose moment and it ends up being two people talking in a tiny little corner of a room, you might just nudge the director and say, is this really what we're remember this where this comes in the film because when you're shooting it's very hard to get a sense of the flow of the film so it's very good to make ideas of when you read a script through you have a sense of what different scenes are doing at different times so I think yeah you kind of want to go make sure you can go back to your notes and remember what you're trying to do and that's sort of how you can try to mm. affect the mm. blocking maybe or mm. what you yeah you kind of have a little talk about that do you like operating yourself? Yeah, I kind of had, have had to. I quite like it. Only a few times have I worked with operators that can, you know, do things f faster mm. than me. Mm. It's not necessarily good, but mm. operators are normally very good at operating, but it's very hard for them because they've never been involved in the whole discussion and the prep and all the stuff that comes before shooting. So they can be very good at physically oper operating the camera. But only a few people can actually really help you. Mm. So it depends. Mm. It depends. But I have done it because I have to. Because we can't afford it. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, I guess the long and the short of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, if anyone's got any questions, do indicate. And um, just by raising your hand, let us know that you've got a question. Yes. Did you go back and do any work in Norway? <laughs> I've done a music video, I think, two. That's never, no. I've been here, based here, and shooting. Yeah, never. No, I would like to, but it's never happened. It's a whole other world that you haven't yeah. explored. No, I'd I'd love to, but I don't know. I don't know many people there, and it's sort of it's out of my yeah jurisdiction, so to speak. Yeah. So just going on talking about the. Um, the day of the shooting in terms of how you work with your crew. Mm. Tell us a little bit about how you work with your gaffer, for example. How does, is that you, you've worked with him for a while, so you know each other? or? Yeah, I, this, um, now there's one guy I've used for a long time. Mm. Or oh, a long time, in a sense, two and a half years or right. three years or something, which, which is great because then we go on recce and we talk about how we want to do it and many times we don't need to talk that much about stuff on the day of shooting because we sort of have planned but I mean it depends each shoot is different and some shoots are I, I try to get less I'm trying to get less and less involved in right. what goes where at what time but it's hard because <laughs> I've done it sort right. of myself for a long time right so now it's lovely to have a good person to help you and a good crew that can sort of yeah. they know what you like and they can kind of do it and you sort of don't have to worry about most things. Yeah. And then you kind of, I guess the day-to-day -day stuff is, yeah. and scene-to-scene -scene stuff is sort of the order of shots so that you can plan stuff to be ready. Yeah. Because yeah. you have m many of the creative discussions before you get there. And then it's simply mm -hmm. about not executing, but you sort of just need to get on with it because you don't have time to fiddle or test mm. too much. What you can do is if you're shooting in one room and you're going to pre-light another room, then you can go in once in a while and have a look and you kind of, you know, you can adjust a bit. But when you shoot, then you don't really have time mm. for that. So look, um, shooting on location, I guess you probably haven't shot in many studios since you've been at the film school because most shooting actually happens on location these days yeah it does i've, I've been I've, I've done second unit on some, on some bigger films yeah. where we've done lots of studio work yeah. and there it's another it's another world yeah. um uh, but it's with completely different people and for a different purpose really. but um yeah yeah that's my do you yeah, like locations? I, I like it, but it'd be very nice to be in studio <laughs> for a while. <laughs> I think it'd be very nice. <laughs> I miss it. Yeah. Because you, yeah, you can sort of you make your own things and you're not right. always slightly worried that the sun is going to do something. Because no matter where you are, you're going to be affected by 
that even in England you can be affected by the sun, mm. even though it's behind, <laughs> you know, because it might be more or less clouds. You I know, think you even never the know. First term established that. This yeah, term, yeah. You never know what's <laughs> going to happen, yeah. and you never have enough crew or equipment to replace the sun that's suddenly gone in. Yeah. You just don't. No. So you, yeah, it'd be nice to be somewhere we can control everything. But yeah, I don't mind looking. It depends if they're good locations. It's mm. wonderful. Mm. That sort of is the main, is the main thing, really. Yeah. yeah. And what sort of lamps do you like to use? That's a good. That's a very good question. There's a lot of lamps I would like to use, but I never can because <laughs> they're too expensive. Right. But I mean, I've I've had a fear of redheads since the film school. <laughs> I've I the smell of burning moths that go into them. I have I really don't like that smell. So I've I've. Refuse to use them. I think we've used them a little bit recently, but blondes are great because they're very effective. And then, yeah, we've probably still got the redheads. Uh, probably the same ones, uh, no doubt. Um, but they are effective. Um, and then various, I don't know, various HMIs. I've used started using some LED lights, mm. but they always go a bit green, and they go about the keynotes as well. They always go a bit green, right. magenta depends, and they're on for a while, and they change color and stuff. Right. I mean, it's fine. You just have to be on top of it all the time and it's a bit tedious. But, I mean, they're very efficient and, you know, they're nice, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. I've, I've, for a long time, I haven't used much direct light. It's always been through a frame or bounced or something. And then it doesn't really matter what light it is, really. Yeah. Um, for the light exteriors, did you have any problems... Um, with underexposing the film, or was it very very fast? No, we or? did because um, everything was on, everything was one film stock, a five hundred uh, vision tube, something, um, and we did some tests of shooting outside at night, and we had some lenses I wanted to use, but they're not really fast enough, so we had to choose another set that was alright in the end. Uh, that were one point three, and for some scenes we pushed a stop. And then we chose places where we could shoot without any extra lights. Okay. And that was it, really. Because I... Re yeah, no, sorry. Because um, I realized when, when the Oliver pukes on the van, yeah. there's only just one um, light, light post, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, street light. Just I mean, one. yeah, possibly there we could have added, because well, in that little village, they only had some terrible little... They're like little fluorescent sodium strips and they don't give out any light. Yeah. Some street lights give out enough so you can shoot. And so there we probably had to add our own street light. We, I think we had our own actual lamp posts that we put up for it. Yeah. But then the other stuff we yeah, either pushed or found some places where we could shoot. But again, I mean, it's not nice. There's a scene by the bus stop when they're talking about him coming to the hospital um, to see his mom. And we had to shoot it at wide open at 1.3 and it's I don't like it it's there's no focus anywhere and if you get it in focus then other parts are out of focus I don't like it at all but I mean it was sort of what we, th those were the rules of our film that that's, uh, comes on to the question that I'd like to ask which is obviously some points in the film like the, obviously the focus was a little off you said you take one take um, like did you feel when you watched The Rushers as a DOP, obviously you, you had this agreement with Richard that, that it would be this kind of feel. Did you have bits where you'd be worried, obviously, uh, as a DOP, whether it looks this beautiful kind of image? Or can you see the film as... Because I have to say, first of all, it is absolutely tremendous film. It's beautiful and, and amazing. And, it, and the little imperfections seem to bring it to life more and it just added to the, the feel of it. But as a DOP, how did you feel about watching it back? Well, just having the backing from Richard that... that this is what we spoke about and this is what happens when we shoot like this this is what comes out of it I mean we'll try our best to for you know to get it as amazing and perfect as possible but you know that these things are going to happen and you know that I mean if it was really bad I'm sure we would have reshot if it was you know if it wouldn't have you know if it wouldn't have been right for, for, for the for the scene if it would have been too, too bad but I mean it just comes out of you know because there's the, the line about the sprouts being out of focus, the out of focus sprouts. I think. Is it? At the dinner table. Yeah. At the dinner table. 
the, the voiceover, it's, it's just hilariously funny. But he sat at the table, he's like, um, but the sprouts are out of focus, or exactly yeah. what he says. And it's, it's really oh, funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's so I, I just like where that effect's coming and it kind of affected the movie, and it really got a laugh as well. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's made the voiceover afterwards. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I can't remember that. No, I don't remember that part. Okay, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Stanley Prairie, out of Oh, yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. Um. It's Din at the back. Maybe I lost it somewhere. Uh, was it deliberate? What, what was the reason, exact reason of, of for using the 2C? Is it budgetary or...? No, because we used, I mean, we used to Arikam for the main part of the film. Okay. And then we wanted... Uh, Richard had seen a picture of Kubrick holding a camera. And he wanted to use that camera. <laughs> and, okay, I, yeah, yeah, we used that at film school. Uh, and then... At the rental house, they had it, and then we realized, well, actually, it's really hard. It's, it's a bizarre thing with production, because you rent all this gear, and you have all these wonderful things, but you can't get to it. When the unit is not there, and it's a huge, it's like a chain and ball thing, you can't get to the equipment after you wrap. Because everything has to go in a truck, it has to be insured, it has to be this, this. So we wanted a camera that we could take that just home in the car with us, and if we saw something on the way in the morning, in the evening, or again at weekends or during lunch or something, we could just take this and shoot. And this was the perfect camera. It has a battery and we, have, we had a little box with lenses and film stock. And we had a little, like a little video type tripod for it so we could set it up. So that was the reason. Because I tried, I tested it because the lenses were really nice, but we couldn't use those on the, on the regular camera. Mm -hmm. Got the fo focusing, it's not, it's not that... No, I mean, everything was quite... Yeah. Uh, yeah, strange. Other, other question was like Harriet asked you uh, whether you like operating, and your question was not no, but uh, like you know I had to. I mean, does that imply that you're not a big fan of operating, or it's not something that you're keen on? No, I I like it just because it's easier on a day-to-day -day basis. But but if you if you look at really good operators, I'm, I'm not good with names of people. Some people are really, uh, and you look at really good operating, you can see okay, fine, good. I, I would love one day to work with someone who can do this for me, but for now I'll just have to suck it, you know. I try to learn and try to remember, but you're trying to, you're trying desperately to keep, you know, not necessarily the boom swing out of frame, because normally they're quite good. Um, but you're trying to have a look at lighting and you're trying to look at the actors, you're trying to look at focus, you're trying to look at everything else, but framing sort of comes by take four. You kind of, ah, I got to remember to operate as well. And it's sort of a lot of, yeah, I think I could do a lot better if I only had to think about that. Or if you have an operator, great. You know, some, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I, it, it would be wonderful to be able to have someone I could rely on to do that. But so far, I haven't, you know, I haven't really worked with many people like that. And I don't really get a chance to. It's a lot of communication, isn't it? It's another person to communicate uh, with on, on the set. Exactly. And I think also the size of films. I mean, the rooms we were shooting, you couldn't fit another person. So I think on a bigger stage, when you, when you, it'd be lovely to be able to go off and pre-light something or just concentrate on lighting. It'd be great. But in a situation like that, maybe it's worth asking for an operator. But in my, for my thing, no one's complained. <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of, yeah, that's it, really. It'd be nice to, yeah. Another question, I mean, when you do location, Ricky, uh, uh, at any point do you discuss about the lighting plan or is it just during, uh, you know, on the day that you discuss with the director or, you know, find a way, you know, where you're going to place the lights or is there some, some discussion prior to that? Yeah, I think when you do the initial recce's with the director, you don't want to, uh, there's no point talking about lighting in the first instance. You just talk about what's going to look good. Some directors are, understand what's going to be in frame when you shoot, and some don't at all. So you have to sort of slightly try to pin them down if, you, if they're going to look absolutely everywhere, or this part is interesting and only this part. Then you can start making a lighting plan, and then when you come back for technical recce's and you discuss with the gaffer, and everyone else to do with the trucks and you know all the palaver that comes with it then you can start talking about the specifics and you shape ideas after the first wrecking as well but you try not to i don't know i don't think there's any necessarily much point in involving the director really yeah or making too firm plans because things change 
and you have to be able to go to a location and see what can we get from this location and then at the end you sort of worry about light but you have to do that by the by the recce because if you need to put out you know you need to put cables you need to put i mean yeah for lighting lighting there's a, there's a lot of stuff that comes with it that i always forget you order a lighting list of five lights and an enormous truck shows up with you know 20 tons of cables that i never thought about but of course oh yeah it makes sense that it needs to arrive you know someone's got to put this up as well but i, I don't think about it much <laughs> to be honest yeah so yeah you have to think a bit about it yes that's the answer to the question maybe yeah oh um i was quite curious on that scene um where oliver um, has this nightmare and he wakes up at five o'clock in the morning and then suddenly this, the, the time just passes all the way down to 5 p.m. Did you emulate that uh, with natural, well, with lamps or was that done digital um, post? No, no, no. Uh, no, I, we, um, it was, yeah, someone in the hallway with the light and dimmer and all like that and then down. I thought it was really it was, well, really well made. It, it was, it really, even though you don't see a... a a glimpse at the window, you don't even see the window, it just really yeah, looks natural. If we'd seen the window, then we would have been buggered. Then you would have noticed <laughs> that it was just really, I mean, it was very, yeah. We, I think we had to do it at a specific time when there was just a little bit of light outside to come in, and, and that was it. And but again, a lot of these things, I mean, it's quite theatrical, and that was sort of slightly the point of it. And some of these things work really nicely and some don't, you know, but you, it's worth trying these things. Yeah, no, it didn't look cheesy at all. It looked really natural. Oh, no, yeah. that's that's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's good because, I mean, in another film, maybe you'd have thought of, okay, but if it's a sun, then the sun needs to move mm -hmm. and it needs to... I've tried that on something a couple of years ago and it's you don't really notice and it's a lot of setup and a lot of struggle and you don't really notice and it doesn't look very... I mean... Yeah, this was simple and yeah, just to the point and effective. I think that was the more, yeah, the point of it really. Can I ask about rushes and when you were seeing rushes as yes. you were going? <laughs> yes. How was that? Or you uh, weren't seeing rushes? Uh, well, we were seeing rushes. Um, um, I was lucky. I got DVD rushes. Mm -hmm. I was the lucky one. Um, mute once. I got them straight away, but mm -hmm. everything we shot. And there was an upload onto a website with sunk rushes but only some selected takes mm -hmm. that we could download in the evenings two days later so that everyone else all the producers and execs and all these people could see it and that was sort of yeah so Richard would get the rushes a day later with DVD rushes with sound mm -hmm. I would get them the day before so I could see if there's any kind of technical mm -hmm. things but again it's only DVD mm. I mean that, that was it I spoke a lot to the to the telecine operator who could actually he was the only one who saw the neg onto a screen of some kind if there was anything that was untowards but I, yeah most things were all right i think yeah. apart from all the 2c stuff where they were always slightly in a panic but um that was sort of that was fine because we knew it was going to be all right yeah yeah so no i, I haven't seen film rushes ever <laughs> i think apart from in the film school <laughs> <laughs> So this, your, your, what was your workflow then for post-production? It was TK'd at the time of shooting. Yeah. And then... And did you, did you do a, a DI after? And then it was a DI. There was... Uh, we didn't... I mean, it would have been lovely not to have done a DI. Uh, but it was part of the financing came from a company that has a DI kind of place. We should probably just explain actually what a D DI okay. is. Um, yeah, digital just, intermediate. When um, you scan the film onto a very fancy scanner into a computer and it makes files, um, one still image for each frame and a sequence, and then you grade those on a, you know, on a fancy kind of computer, and then they're shot out by laser onto negative again, and then you can print them back to film. So instead of the regular negative onto print, like contact, like that, very simple. Works really well. Yes. <laughs> you have to go through a computer. But of course, you could do a lot more in the DI than you can on a, on a print. On print, you can only go up and down in the three colors altogether or not, you know. 
That's so this what you was can a do. DR. You this was a DI because we had to do it. Right. Because that was the deal. Right. So we had it was unfortunately, but the lovely thing we found a lovely grader who was not from that place. Um, not that he wasn't, but he was great, and we basically treated it basically like a regular film grade with printer lights. Right. Okay. And yeah, anytime we tried to do anything too far away from that, mm-hmm. adjusting contrast mm-hmm. or saturation, it just felt wrong. So we okay. kind of didn't. It was sort of as if we had done a regular print, but just not as. So how long did you get in? Because usually you get quite a bit longer in a DI, don't you? Than than a or you go you get a print and answer print and then you come back a few weeks later. Yeah, but, exactly. But actually, in a DI, you you're almost required to be there most of the time. Yeah, we, I think we we were there for two weeks. Mm which was uh, slightly luxurious. I've never had that much time mm. ever. Mm. But we did need it because um, the machine was very slow. <laughs> it was incredibly slow. It was a little bit like a very old computer. Um, and uh, But it was nice to um, yeah to be able to tweak and fiddle and because everything is natural light and things change all the time. We had, yeah, we had a good time to do it. There were a lot of discussions about all the cards behind the titles because we shot those as actual plates that we painted and lit and we shot film so that all the backgrounds for the titles and things were real film rather than some digital produced colour. But That must be very unusual. I it's, don't know, but it was a typical Richard way of doing things. Right. You know, I, yeah. 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 I mean, there were, there were a few tricks in the film. There were a few like eye blink removables and a couple of cars that were removed and things like that, but nothing fancy. I mean, the, the obviously the bed floating out to sea that was that had to be made a bit crappy more so it wasn't crappy. shot for being able to do something in post you very much shot it no for... not at all it was i we wanted to treat it as if you know we tried to have the same gear and the same things as they would have had in paris in 1960 basically i mean that was yeah no cranes no no funny stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah the camera was new you know right. that was yes. pretty yeah. new and silent and yeah. light and nice. Yeah, that was that yeah. was sort of it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it does seem as though it's such a different process for people when they shoot for DI. They know they can do a lot of manipulation. Yeah. No, I've, it doesn't I've, appeal. I don't know. No, it doesn't appeal because I think the less you do in front of camera, I mean, you at best you're going to make it possible in post production. It's never going to get great. I mean, it depends what you like, of course. But the more you do in front of camera, I mean, the more you, you know, the more you can tweak afterwards if you want to. But I mean, you know, if you just make it good when you can, it's a lot simpler, you know, to do when you shoot, really. I mean, because then everyone knows what they're doing and everyone can concentrate on one thing rather than thinking that, you know, oh, I guess they know what they're going to do afterwards. And Mm. no one, I don't know. Maybe if you do a lot of green screen, these kind of things, but... You still have to have a plan on mm. how it's going to end up. Otherwise, it's, I mean, otherwise someone else can do it. <laughs> I'm just not interested in that. Yeah. But you have been shooting a lot of digital. Now I've been shooting a lot of digital. Yeah. And uh, I did a film after this one called Tyrannosaur with Paddy, who's the mullet guy. He directed um, a film afterwards, which was from a digital incentive film funding, whatever. So we had to shoot digital. And we shot on the lovely, wonderful red camera. Um, which was fine because in the end um, um, it doesn't not that it doesn't matter I'm not going to be as harsh as that but that was a film where the script was great and the actors were wonderful and that's what we needed to shoot and we had the lenses I wanted to do to use and the lighting where how I wanted it to be and the camera just happened to be what we had to shoot it on but it was all on tripod there was no running around there was no, I don't think we lost any files or anything like that. So in the end, it was a, it was all right. Mm. I don't think it would have been different or better if we shot it on film. I, I'm not sure if it would have been a, yeah, I don't know. You can always, I don't know, there's some things you can tell when it's shot digitally a lot. It's getting better. They have different cameras and things. But it's and you like the Alexas? The Alexa I've shot with a lot, which is quite promising, which is quite nice and light and mm. simple. Mm. It's almost as simple as film, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot more batteries. <laughs> so, yeah, it's slightly, 
annoying in that sense. But um, it's very fast and you can do things that you maybe wouldn't have tried to. But I don't know. I've shot a lot of uh, documentary now, nighttime, mm. running on the streetlight stuff with the Alexa because it's very fast and you don't need any lights. But I mean, we didn't use any lights on that either. So I, mm. I mean, yeah, I don't know. They're fine. I mean, the camera is a camera and you just have to put it in the right place and put the right lens on it and they have to light it. You still have to light it. It doesn't really, you know, or not light it, but you have to still make all those decisions. The cameras really doesn't matter. It's just a headache, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of, hopefully, you'll not experience too much of that because hopefully they'll be sorted by now so you don't have to worry about, yeah, too much about the workflows and these kind of things because a lot of testing and, yeah, slightly, yeah, boring things like that you have to do. Um, so, so you shot on digital and on film. What, what would you say? What was your experience in getting the the the, the rushes? I mean, because in film you have to wait for the DI to scan the film, yeah, uh, to get feedback on what you just shot. Whereas the Alexa or the Red camera, you can just watch your dailies on the fly. Well, um, interesting. They they spent when we did the Red film. I didn't get the rushes till two days later because I had to process all the rushes and so they can make editable files and smaller yes. files for rushes viewing. So speed-wise, <laughs> no, they still have to be processed or copied, you know, which is backup and stuff like that. It still takes forever. Mm. It doesn't really, I don't know, when you shoot it, you know if it's going to be sharp or not and then the lighting is sort of more or less the same. I don't know, I mean, it's... It doesn't really matter as long as they, I mean, if there's sound on the rushes so you can see what the actors are doing, wonderful. If you have a sense of the frame, great. If you know that there's any kind of technical, hardcore technical issues, you know, that's kind of the important thing. But you want to see if you feel like you've got the scene or not, not count, you know, pixels or something. It doesn't really, I don't know, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so in order to play safe, you, you concentrate on what's happening on the scene and maybe your light meter or... Yeah, yeah, no, in, in all the, uh, the digital film, not, I'm doing, I've done some TV stuff now where uh, I've only used the viewfinder as the light meter or there's like a little button on the side where you can get a thing where I haven't used the light meter. Mm. But, for, but for all the other things I've used the light meter for the digital and for the, and for the obviously for the, for the film stuff. And it's digital reacts a little bit differently you get some surprises where you kind of it's not exactly like you would have thought it was going to show up but it's you know pretty much yeah use a light meter is kind of a good, at least a good starting point because then also you don't need the camera there to be able to light or if you want to rely on that i mean you still you don't need a camera to light you don't need a light meter to light you can just do the exposure at the end if you want um but then you can do pre-lighting you could have a you kind of free yourself from the box so that you can look at stuff. Then you can light and you can use a meter to check. And then you can bring the camera in as the last kind of, yeah, the, what you have to use to record it. That's sort of the nicer way of going about it because then you're not going to be attached to this little box that needs battery, which is awful. And you have to wait for a while for it to start up and you can't see anything and you feel helpless until this computer comes to life it's better to free yourself of that and be independent of that yeah if you think back to um being at film school hmm. what, what do you feel you took from film school that helped you to go out and work in the industry yes <laughs> <laughs> yes this was good i i was here um uh, there was a slightly different regime here hmm. before where there was one time someone came in to talk about life outside film school. Mm. That was, they were, they were, you know, once. So, I mean, we didn't have any contact. We had no idea what was happening outside, really. And, but what I did take was the ability to just shoot stuff and try it mm. and mm. mostly fail. You know, it felt <laughs> like, but, you know, you try things and you go, all right, this is how this works. Right. That was, I mean, that was the nice thing. I mean, I've, you can never do that without anyone being, you know, without being fired or whatever. Now you feel 
yeah, that's not possible to do outside. Mm-hmm. Or you'd have, you have other people depending on you to make yeah. sure that it's yeah. okay, at least. Because here you can try yeah. things and you... I mean, of course, there's still the pressure of each film and these kind of things, but there's no kind of, yeah, bigger financial career-destroying ramifications, mm. maybe. And, of course, the people that I met here. There's still, yeah, some people that I still work with from film school. That was sort of them, yeah, those two things. Mm. Mm. Trying lots of stuff and the contacts. That was the main the main thing. Mm. Well, it's, yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? What Having time to experiment yeah. and not be worried. Yeah, because you um. can have crazy ideas mm. and try them out. I mean, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's possible. Do that lots if you can. Well, I think... I think we've got some drinks. Oh, you know the, um. um Just a very quick little question. The fireworks scene, was that, did that come out of your collaboration or was that always in the script that you would use you, on the bike? And in, th- there's a kind of music montage, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, using quite small ones. Yeah. That, um, so uh, the sort of back projection-y stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I, that was always, I think, one of Richard's ideas that we were going to do that. I think we, we early on we had a plan of how we we're going to do that, but we could never afford fireworks, so uh, we knew we had to shoot it. This was on on Guy Fawkes night, and we went to shoot, and yeah, there was in Barry Island in Cardiff. <laughs> it was yeah, we just had to be there at the right time, and we had I think we had a second camera, I think we had two cameras that day, uh, wide shot that I don't think it was ever used. Um, but the 2C footage was used a lot and we just had to shoot that and then we did I think maybe the plates or the background for him on the bike we did that against a green screen later on and the effects company I think had some footage I don't think that was our footage because they were doing another I think Four Lions they were doing another film like that Mm. at the same time so they kind of used the same footage for they interchanged some footage (laughs) yeah yeah, but uh, yeah, a lot of these things, I mean, I've, most of it was planned that this was going to be a montage of some kind of thing, but exactly what was going to happen is always, yeah, evolving, I think. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing with Richard's way of working is always you have a plan and then it'll always change and develop for something that's better. Right. Yeah. And then that's what makes it nice to work with someone like that. And that's why you mm. try to, mm. yeah. Mm. stick working with someone because they always want to try to make something better than you had planned mm. yeah what are you working on at the moment I, i'm working on a documentary yeah. which is a fascinating documentary about mm-hmm. a french boy who pretended to be an american kid who'd gone missing and he went to live with a family mm-hmm. and it's a it's a yeah it's a real obviously it's a real story but we're doing they've done all the interviews and we're doing all the kind of re their kind of reimaginings of how things were, which is, yeah, it's exciting. It's how, a thriller. How interesting is it working? Because obviously, uh, Richard, and then you worked with Paddy. Um, yeah. So that's both of their first features, and both of them have come from, from acting. And obviously, I know that Richard's done lots of writing and comedy and The Fringe and various other things. But is that, like, interesting for you? Because they're looking at you, you've shot features and loads of, like, other stuff before, and this is the first feature that both of them... Because obviously, uh, Paddy Constantine was quite nervous about going to shoot a feature, I believe, beforehand, so... Yeah, I mean, because they're, they're completely opposite how they work, but they are both extraordinarily confident in what they want to do. And they both know that they... I mean, I think that the thing is, they both know what they like. And when they see it, they say, good, that's it. Let's move on. Paddy's film was very simple. The script was very simple, very strong. The actors were amazing. And so we didn't even... I mean, didn't they did some rehearsals beforehand. I think they sat and drank beer and, you know, told stories. Then that, that, literally, that was it. And we come on set and we do one take... Good for everyone? Good. Move on. Maybe two takes, maybe to try something different, but that was it. Whereas with Richard, is maybe because a lot of it needed to be in longer... It wasn't really longer takes, but it's just a different way of working. I don't know. Yeah, it was... There was no, I don't know. I still have to work 
no one I've worked with yet as a director has been very seemed very nervous at least to me about the first and thought too much of that because I think they've worked on it for so long and tried to get to this point so they know everything so well and they've built up to the stage of shooting that I mean every, everyone's nervous I'm nervous before every day of shooting I mean the, the first couple of days but I think everyone everyone is but it didn't come across as that yeah because I mean when you when you talk to people before and you get your crew together you get people that you know you can work with and then that's sort of how did you get offered the because obviously I know they're both warp but how did you get the offered the chance to work on, uh, on Paris films um, the producer who was a script supervisor he was the producer on 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 his film and because I worked with Paddy I went for a few interviews with Paddy and I, I think he was the only thing he was interested in was someone who, who could share his ideas or kind of be in the same page and have the same interest I think what he feared the most was someone who's going to say, oh, yeah, we'll do a nice little film now. But he's not interested in that. He, he wants to make a movie. And that was sort of, I think, his, what he was looking for in someone who would actually take it seriously. And it was, yeah, you had to with the script. It was, you know, amazing. Because you know, you didn't shoot Dog all together, did you? The, like, no, no, no I, did, I, did, I didn't. So do you know why his choice of changing the DOPs was? I don't. I, I don't. Maybe he was busy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's been quite often the case <laughs> in different things. You can't work for the one. You're it's quite fickle, isn't it, really? What, yeah, how, yeah, absolutely. Because you, know, you might get out of sync, a director you really like, but you yes. might get out of sync. Yes. And they only shoot a film every yeah. you know, two years or yeah. one or two years. And you have to obviously work a bit more than that. How much networking do you do you have to keep I'm, up with? Oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. I mean, you hope to meet right. some nice people and need shoot, mm. and then that's it. Right. And yeah, once I try, <laughs> no, I don't know. Are you trying to go to places? But I can't. I don't understand. I don't understand how it works. Some people are very good at arranging things and making things. But I try to go, go to Poland, yeah. you know, once every couple of years. Yeah. But that's not really networking for jobs. That's just networking yeah, with other... Having good time, really. Good times yeah. with, yeah, discuss technical <laughs> issues with other camera people. Yeah. So, no, I'm not very good at it. I, I, some people, I'm sure, are very good at it. I'm not. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know how that works yeah. out, networking. Do you get yourself an agent when you came out of film school? How did... How did you... uh, yeah, I tried uh, for a while. Um, and then, but then you realize that you need some film, you need some, basically you need to do some work that someone has, can recognize as either successful or good or in some kind, some way recognized by other people. So I tried a few times, but there was never anything. And then by chance, I met an agent in Poland, right. <laughs> you know, drinking vodka. Right. And, uh, um, but no, that, she knew about me from a few other people. And that was sort of, she she took me on gracefully as mm. as before this film and yeah mm. so that was kind of the first the beginnings of mm. uh, of that and an agent i mean agents are good to have because i'm terrible at talking about money with people so she takes care of all of that they have of course a bigger you know they know more people so they come to her but i mean i think you, you have to get your own jobs mm. at least in mm. the beginning you have to get your own work i mean just yeah an agent's not going to find you work are they though? i mean they might i mean people it's might very lucky people come to them yes. if they have someone and they might one of their people might not be available so they might suggest you or something like that but you have to find your own work that's sort of the main thing yeah yeah okay. it's not the first thing to we'll go for take, yeah did was there one more we'll just take one more question and then we'll break yeah, some, beer. drinks for a beer. Did you have a? I was just going to ask it like, what reaction has there been? Like, has there been a lot more interest since you've shot this film? Because it's got amazing reviews since it. Since it yeah, came no, out, it's it's it? it's helped. It's helped. There's been a few more questions, and a few more. Yeah, a few more. Uh, what do you call it? Yeah, requests. Inquiries. Inquiries. Yes. So I've made a website. Yes. Okay. You know, okay. it's all. You know, <laughs> it's all exciting. Okay, so if we Google it's, your name, you got you go yeah, to your website I, now. I, I got a website. It's very okay. exciting. I can put the trailer on. It's very exciting. <laughs> um, no, so I mean, yeah, it's helped a bit. Right. But as of you know, fourth of April, I'm unemployed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. As okay. usual. 
Okay. You know? <laughs> so we'll see. We'll hope that something comes up. In the last couple of years, I haven't been terribly worried about work. But that's, yeah. 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 That's only in the last couple of years, really. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, yeah. Uh, before that, it's been, yeah, slightly yeah. when you have a kid and stuff, it's not great. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but if, yeah, I mean it's yeah. yeah. Then you might have to do some jobs you don't want to do. But that's yeah, that's yeah. part of it. Yeah. Try to learn from everything. Well, thank you very much for coming today. Absolutely. And thank you.